Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. So that's for home, folks. Obviously, you'll notice on the bottom of the front end of that card, there's a place for prayer requests. 
um, immediately believe and pray the promise of God over your life. So if you have a prayer need and you would like for us to join in prayer and pray the promise of God over your life, we'd be honored to do that. So you can fill that in. You'll also have the opportunity to put this in a container at the end of the service as you exit. But really what I want to draw your attention to is the back of this card. Everybody turn it around. You should be looking at the annual Easter survey. And there's some couple of questions here. This is important because this helps me help you. And that is, number one, it says, Pastor, I'd like to hear a message on what the Bible says about, and then like sharing my faith, becoming a leader, forgiving others, dealing with difficult people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, what, what I'd like to know is, what are you thinking about? Where are you hurting? What are the topics and what are the questions that you need to answer? And why is that? Because guys, I'm going to add value to your life. And I, I don't want to answer questions on Sunday that nobody's asking and so we're very intentional with everything that we do here at One Life Church. So I'd encourage you to just to fill that out. Also, you'll see number two is kind of the same question, just asked a different way. This is, I'm interested in hearing more about these things. More about these things. Again, I just want to answer questions that are relevant to you. But then you'll notice there's a third question. And that third question is really important for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is we want you to know that there are next steps for you to take. And so the third question says, it's not really a question, it's more of a statement. The next step in my spiritual journey is, and then you can see a few options that are right there. And if you're bold enough to, to mark that, again, what's going to happen is I'm not going to call you, I'm not going to show up at your house, but I would simply like to send you an email that gives you some simple next Steps, Because here's my hope, and this is our hope for you as a church, is that you understand that God has more for your life. Amen. What I want you to understand is that you and I, my friends, we are on a spiritual journey. In fact, this is why I get up every morning. This is why we exist as a church. It's to help you take a next step on your spiritual journey. And here's the thing. Maybe some of you are here today and you... You were drugged to church. You know what I'm saying? Not like physically drugged, but like drugged. Because, you know, grandma or mama said, you come to church today. Right? And you're thinking, well, Pastor Ed, I don't really believe that there is a spiritual journey. That's okay. I get it. I was there once too. But just because you don't believe it's true doesn't change the fact that the truth is, my friend, God wants to take you on a spiritual journey. In fact, I'm telling you that your life will never make sense. Your life will never be fulfilled. You'll never experience hope, joy, love, peace, anything that is lasting. You won't experience true fulfillment. All the things that you've been looking for in this world, you will never experience outside of taking steps with God in your spiritual journey. In fact, we know this, Proverbs 29, 18, if you're following along in your notes, you can also see this on the screen. God says, listen, if people, that's you and I, if we can't see what God is doing, in other words, if we cannot see the spiritual journey that God wants to take you and I on, look at the byproduct. We stumble all over ourselves. And if you're being honest this morning, you're like, Pastor Ed, that is me, man. Like, I'm having trouble putting one foot in front of the other. And because of this, you're stumbling all, all over yourself. And you're experiencing suffering in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your finances, in your health, both mentally and physically. But I've got some good news. Look at the rest of the verse. But when you attend to what God reveals, in other words, what is he saying? When you discover that God has a spiritual journey for you, but not only discover it, but when you begin to take steps in that direction, look at the promise. 
You and I, my friends, we are what? We are most blessed. And this is my hope for you today. That you see not only what God has done through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But my hope is today that you begin to see what God is doing and wants to do in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your career. And what I want to help you do today is I want to help you take a next step in your spiritual journey. Why? Because of the promise. I want you to experience blessing. I want you to experience hope. I want you to find freedom in every area of your life. That's why. So here's the question I'm hoping you're asking today. Is that, Pastor Rep, well then, what does my spiritual journey look like? And well, it consists of four things. And by the way, if you open up your worship guide on the left side of the page, you'll see the cliff notes. There are four things that God wants to take you on on a spiritual journey. And there are the four things that we do as a church. But what today I'm going to do is I'm going to give them to you really quick from the fourth one to the first one. The ultimate step of your spiritual journey that God wants to take every single one of you and I on is that he wants you to make a difference with your life. Guys, listen to me. There is no higher level of living than when your life is making a difference in the life of another human being. In fact, even science and sociologists will tell you this. They call it transcendence. What is transcendence? It's basically this fancy word that says, guys, your life will never be fulfilled. Until you're making a difference in the life of another human being. Like that is the ultimate peak of living. Is making a difference with your life. And here's the thing. You can't make a difference with your life until you discover your purpose. Guys, did you know that 89% of American Christians have no idea why they're on this planet? That is not good. I need you to understand today that God created you on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose wasn't just to suck air, pay taxes, and die. He's got some good things in store for you. So we want to help you discover your purpose. Why? Because you'll never make a difference with your life until you know why you're on the planet. Two great days in your life, everyone. The day you were born, aren't you thankful for that, right? Yeah. Second greatest day is the day you discover why That's right. you were born. That's right. So in order for us to make a difference, we've got to get to the place where we discover who we are and how God created us. But we'll never get there until we find freedom. Find freedom. Everybody say find freedom. freedom. Actually, I preached the message last week that I would encourage you to go back and listen to that is all about this subject of finding freedom. So what do we mean when we say find freedom? In other words, I'll never make a difference in my life until I know why I'm on this planet, but I'll never know why I'm on this planet until I settle my yesterday. In other words, until I settle the mistakes in my past. Because as long as you're stuck in your past, you will never see the significance of the future that God has for you. Yeah. You'll never discover your purpose, and you'll never make a difference in the other in, in the life of another person. Why? Because you're dealing with your own issues. And by the way, every single one of us got some issues in this place, myself included. And if you've been around my life a while, you've heard me say, I got issues. Guess what? You got some issues too. All God's children got issues. And if you don't think you got an issue, guess what? Good news. That is your issue. It's the truth. So God wants to take us on this journey of finding freedom from our past so we can see the significance of our future so that ultimately we can discover why we're on this planet to do what? To make a difference with our life. And go ahead, there you see the next one that's put on the screen. Which all, honestly, none of those come. You can't experience any of those until you come to know God. Until you know God. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about knowing a church. No, I'm talking about coming into a personal, intimate, wonderful relationship with God. 
through his son, Jesus Christ, the one we celebrate today. I want to give just a little bit of a short testimony of my life. I used to not know any of this. Like, I don't know if you knew that or not, but like, this wasn't something I was just born out of the womb and like, oh, I know God finally discovered purpose made it. Just didn't happen. I'm 43 years old. Uh, been serving the Lord in the industry for 27 years. But let me backtrack. I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Anytime I say that, I've got to throw in the southern slang, Alabama. <laughs> I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, I grew up in a very religious culture, but at three years old, my parents got a divorce, grew up in a broken family, broken home. At seven years old, my mom committed suicide. And so I tell people, you know, from seven to about 16 years old, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. But it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I really began to find love in the right place. And I was a friend of mine who brought me to a local life-giving church, much like one life church. And I saw people raising their hands and singing. I'm like, these people are crazy. I don't know what's in them, but I tell you what, they look like they got some joy in their life. I couldn't explain it, but there was a peace about it. And I wanted that. And what I discovered that day when I walked into that little old church in Birmingham, Alabama, is I discovered that God wasn't mad at me, but that God was in love with me. And I gave my heart to Christ, and then, you know, my life just went butterflies, rainbows, and unicorns from that point forward. Like, there were some difficulties, and, you know, God's Word tells us that we're an overcomer by His blood, but you're not an overcomer unless you overcome some things, right? And so there was a journey and a process, but I, all that to say, I grew up with the wrong perspective of God. I had the wrong view of God, and honestly, I thought the goal of Christianity was this. Look at this. I thought Jesus, I thought the goal of Christianity was to make a bad person good. But what I realized is Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. This is good truth. And if there's ever a message that Easter communicates, my friends, is this. That God wants to take you from death to life in every area of your life. In your marriage, in your home, in your finances, in your career, in your mind, in your soul, in your emotions, in your health, physically and mentally. God wants to take you from death to life by the power of the resurrection of His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. On. This is why He came. One of my favorite Easter verses comes out of Romans 8. Verse 11, look at this. As followers of Jesus Christ, notice this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus, the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in me. We can say amen, take up an offering, go home, and that was a great Easter service. Praise the Lord, right? But there's more. Look at this. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, my friends, He will give your life he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. What is he saying? He's saying, God, any place that is dead or dying, mentally, physically, spiritually, or relationally, Jesus Christ, God himself, wants to give you life by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. Amen. And that's why, my friends, Easter isn't just about celebrating the resurrection publicly. It's not just about Easter eggs. It's not just about ham, nice outfits. It's not just about grandma. All of those things are important. No, my friends, the Easter is about experiencing the resurrection personally. Yeah, that's good. This is what Easter is all about. And this is my hope for you, my friends, today. So as I was thinking about a topic that I could bring you on Easter Sunday, I honestly could not think of anything more important 
than what I'm about to share with you. In fact, if I only had one opportunity, one last chance to share with you one message about God's love to you and humanity, it would be the message that I'm about to share with you today. So I hope you've gone to OLC.Church. I hope you're ready to follow along with these message notes because we're about to have a good time. This message that I want to preach to you today is all about the first step in our spiritual journey, which we said earlier was know God. To know God. Emphasis on the word know. Now, many of us, when we see this word, we translate it through our English understanding of this word, which ultimately means what? To understand or to even be acquainted with. But what I want to share with you today is that when Jesus talked about knowing God in the scriptures, he wasn't talking about understanding intellectually about God. He wasn't even talking about having acquaintance with God. No, the actual word, look at this, out of the original manuscripts in the New Testament come out of the Greek language, and he would have used the word gnosko. Gnosko. What does that word mean? It means to know intimately. Now, this may shock some of you religious folks. Okay? But gnosko was basically like a Jewish idiom in the day. It was a polite way of describing a husband and wife's personal intimacy. In other words, it was the kind of intimacy that described how they would conceive a child. Some of you are like, oh, I'm glad I came to church today. It's going to be good. <laughs> and what I need you to understand today is that when Jesus talked about a relationship with God, this is the word he used. And what would have happened, just like some of you today, the crowd would have been, Did he just think it was cool? Oh, yeah, honey, you got the kids, I grab the car, we're out. Because Jesus is saying, I need to know God personally, intimately, like I'm with my husband or wife. What? That would have been the response. And I just need you to understand today that most of the people in that day, to them, God was far. God was distant. It was like God was up there, we're down here in back. We're not even sure God likes us. So we're going to do whatever we can to please him. But Jesus Christ comes along and says, no, 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 you're missing it. God not only likes you, God loves you. Yeah. That God loves you so much, he wants to, you know, so you, he wants to be personal, up close, intimate with you. In fact, Jesus said, guys, this is so important. This is, in fact, the condition of eternal life. This is the condition of eternal life. Look at this, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus Christ speaking, the Son of God, coming to reveal the love of God the Father in his heart for humanity. And he gets pretty serious here. And this is pretty weighty. He says, guys, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know about you, but that's a problem. Like, because that was my plan, right? Because some pastor on TV or in some Baptist church or some a Pentecostal church or wherever I'm at growing up in church told me that that's what I had to do. I said the prayer, I'm good, I'm good, deuces out. I got my fire insurance, right? I'm going to heaven. Jesus Christ, my Lord. And Jesus, Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. Not everyone who says that is going to experience heaven one day. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Like, wait a minute, what? So, okay, well, so what's the will of your Father in heaven? Because I want to know that. Because I want to spend eternity in heaven. Look at this. Jesus goes on to say, before I answer that, I just want to remind you, many, 
Not a few, not just some. My friends, many. That's why this message is so important today. Many will say to me on that day. By the way, that day, what does that mean? It's referring to judgment day. In other words, it's referring to that day where you and I, my friends, are all going to stand before God and give an account for our life. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Like in your name, did we not drive out demons? In your name, perform many miracles? And by the way, you can just put about any religious duty or obligation or activity in that blank. Well, well, well God, I mean, I went to church on Easter Sunday. I went to my church. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, God, I mean, I, you know, I said the prayer. I prayed the prayer. I mean, I went to, I went to a small group. I mean, I was on a dream team. Like, I made a difference in my life. If you can put any of that in that blank, and God said, no, 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 you thought that that was the condition of heaven. You thought that, that that's what I was looking for. And God says, no, 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 that's not what I was looking for. Look at the rest of the verse. Jesus said, then I will tell them plainly. I never, and then guess what word he used? I never kenosko. I never knew you intimately. Like, we didn't do life together. You didn't invite me along. You did a lot of great things. Nothing wrong with it. Those are great. But I never knew you. You did things for me. We just didn't do it together. I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. And it's unfortunate that many of us, most of us, we think that God is looking for some kind of religious obligation. But the truth is, my friend, God isn't looking for religion. God is looking for a relationship. Right. This is so important for you to understand. If there's only one thing you walk away from today, let it be this. God is not looking for religion. God is looking for a heart that's in relationship with you. Part of my job as a pastor isn't just to preach to you on Sunday. Part of my job as a pastor is to teach you. Yeah. It's to train you. It's to prepare you like a teacher would prepare a student for final exams. <clears throat> Guys, there's going to be a final exam one day. Every single one of us are going to stand before the living God. Well, Pastor Matt, I don't really believe that. But it doesn't change the fact that the truth is, my friend, whether you believe it or not, the truth is you and I will stand before the creator of all humanity. And so the question is, when he asks you this question, my hope is that you're going to know the right answer. Now, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like because the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us what it looks like. I don't know if we're all going to be in a room like this side, just hanging out, chilling, and all of a sudden they're uh, paging Red Barton, paging Red Barton. God would like to see you in the front office. Paging Red Barton, your turn. <laughs> I don't know what this will look like. But what I do know. Church should be enjoyed, not enjoyed, right? Amen. What I do know is there's going to be a moment where you stand before the Lord, and He's simply going to ask you something along the lines of why should I allow you? Why should I allow you into the kingdom of heaven? Like, why? Like, why? And no religious answer will work. Well, well, God, I mean, like I said, at church in Idaho, and like a lot of people gave their hearts to Christ and lives were changed. I mean, ooh, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But, you know, like, why? Like, really, I'm not asking you, like, what you did. Like, why should I let you have Right. And my friends, I'm going to give you the answer to the final exam today. The answer to that question is, God, do you know what? Life, it wasn't perfect. 
some love with your son, Jesus. You changed my life. And I had a relationship with him. That, my friends, is what God is looking for. God isn't looking for religion. Yeah. God is looking for a relationship. Amen. And I can share so many scriptures with you today, but I'm going to share you one more just to prove my case this morning. Look at this. Matthew 15, 1 through 3 and 6 through 9. He says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. They asked, Jesus, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? In other words, they're doing it wrong. They're worshiping wrong. And by the way, there's always going to be religious people that step up in your business and say, you, you were doing it wrong. You didn't pray right. You didn't say, in Jesus' name. You just said, amen. <laughs> you only sang three songs on Easter. You should have sung four songs. That music is too loud. I can't even, I can't even hear myself think. How could God hear me? That music's too loud. It should be a little bit softer. You're not doing it right. Oh, you're baptizing somebody, but you're just saying the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, you should also do it in Jesus' name. By the way, if you get baptized here at One Life Church, we baptize you in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so the one that these religious leaders picked on, I need you to see this. Look at this. Jesus, they don't wash their hands before they eat. Huh. In that day, I need you to understand that at the front door of the church, before you could really even come in, there was a bowl of water and it was used for ceremonial washing. Basically, what would happen is you would have to put your hands in the bowl and wash your hands, but you had to do it the right way. In other words, you're just going to put your hands in the bowl, bring them out, let water just slop everywhere and drip everywhere. No, 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 no. No, you couldn't do it that way. You had to put your hands in the bowl. Wash, and then when you lifted your hands up, you had to lift your hands up like this in the water, and it drip down the edge, off the edge of your elbow. In fact, it was the guy standing at the door making sure you did it right. And if you put your hands in there, and all of a sudden, oh, some water drip, oh, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you didn't do it right. You got to get back in line and learn how to do it right. Repent, come back, you got to wash your hands right, throw your hands in the air, and let the water drip off your elbow. <laughs> it's crazy, right? This is what's happening. Jesus basically says, look at this. Are you kidding me? Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And by the way, what was God's command? If you know anything or looked at scripture or even maybe even heard, you don't even have to be a Christian or not to kind of know this. But somebody asked Jesus at one point in his life, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God. With all your heart, all your mind, your soul, your strength. Basically, just give God everything. That's the greatest commandment, love God. And Jesus is saying, why do you break the command of loving God for the sake of your tradition? Look at this. You nullify the word of God for the sake of washing your hands. You hypocrites. Isaiah was rightly prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. They'll go to church. They'll sing songs. They'll play the part. They'll dress up for Easter. But their hearts. Don't miss this. Their hearts are far from me. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, guys, God's not looking for duty. God's not looking for obligation. God is not looking for tradition. When God is looking for, my friends, 
is a personal, intimate relationship. He's looking for your heart. That's right. Jesus goes on to say, guys, they worship me in vain. Like, it's worthless. Their worship is worthless. Why? Because your teachings are but rules, traditions, obligations, duties taught by men. That's why I just need you to understand today. Christianity isn't an institution. Christianity isn't an organization. Christianity is people who are in love with the living God. That's what Christianity is all about. It's people who are in love. Easter's all about. So here's the question. How do you know if you're whether or not you're in religion or if you're in relationship? Well, there's a lot of symptoms for that, but I believe honestly, if I were to give you one of the greatest symptoms, is this. It's that if you ever find yourself frustrated with trying to do good things, like if you ever find yourself frustrated with trying to do good things, you're probably in religion. And I just need you to understand something today. Christianity, the Bible, Following Jesus is one of the hardest things that you will ever do, that I will ever do, if you're not in love. But, my friends, if you are in love with God and in love with Jesus, then it becomes the joy yeah, yeah. That's good. of your life. One way I can explain that is, you know, as a married man, I've been married 15 years going on this month, baby. faithful to her because the Bible says, you better not commit adultery. You better not look at another woman. No, 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 no. I'm not faithful to her because there's a commandment there. You know why I'm faithful to my wife? Because I'm in love with my wife. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> She's the most beautiful woman on the planet. Sorry, fellas. I got it. She's taken. I'm faithful to her because I love her. So I know what some of you are thinking today. Okay, Patrick, this is great. But what in the world does this have to do with Easter? Like, come on. Well, let me show you this one verse that really started the whole message. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says, I want to, and there's the word again, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ intimately. Why? Why? Because Paul knew that when I do, I will, look at the rest of the verse, I'll experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Yeah. Right. So Paul, what are you saying? Paul's basically saying, guys, you'll never find freedom. You'll never find fulfillment. You'll never find joy. You'll never find hope. You'll never find anything that is lasting in your life until you come to know God personally and intimately. And this, my friends, is what Easter is all about. And I'm going to just say it one more time, my friends. Easter isn't just about celebrating the resurrection publicly. Like that's important. We're going to have a lot of fun. But Easter is about experiencing the resurrection on a personal level in your spirit, in your soul, and in your life. If you believe that, come on and say amen this morning. It's about knowing God personally and intimately. This is what Easter is all about. So my hope today is to help you take a next step in knowing God. So what I want to do today, as I close, I'm going to give you three simple things really quick of what it looks like if you decided to get close to God. Well, the first step in any relationship is very simple. It begins with a choice, and that choice, my friends, is love. By the way, love is a choice. Love isn't a feeling. Right. Choices lead, feelings follow. And that's why I'm going to encourage you 
putting you close to God, number one, you need to love him. Why? Because he first loved me. He first loved me. Too many people believe that when we gotta go to God, we gotta clean ourselves up a little bit. Like we gotta get our act together before God will accept us. And my friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell to destroy your life to get you out of a relationship with yeah. loving God. No, the truth is Romans 8, excuse me, verse 5, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love. Oh, please don't miss this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were rejecting God, while we were denying His love and His power, Christ Jesus died for who? For you and for me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. My friends, I need you to understand something. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, and they're about to put nails in His hands, in His feet, Jesus Christ did not say, Hey, hey, wait a minute, hold up, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Everybody stop just for a second. Hey, before you put nails in my hands, before you put nails in my feet, before I die for all y'all sinners, are y'all going to love me? Are you going to serve me? Are you going to worship me? No, 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 no. Christ didn't do that. No, Christ said, put the nails in my hands and my feet. Whether or not you choose to love me now, I'm willing to pay the price in hopes that one day you'll want to have a relationship with me. That's what Christ did. While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Why? Because he loves you. Well, Pastor Ray, you don't know what I did last time. I mean, you don't, you don't know what a horrible person I am. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that God loves you. In fact, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. I'm just thinking about you right now. In fact, he's always thinking about you. Why? Because you're his son or his daughter. He created you in his image. He breathed his own breath of life into you. The reason your heart beats is because he's sustaining you right now. But love's a choice. He will never force his love on you. He'll always give you a choice. So why do we love? Well, 1 John 1 I love this. It's simple. We love because why? He first loved us. Take your notes, write this down. Second step in any relationship is pursued. It's pursued. That's why if you want to get close to God, you simply need to pursue Him with all of your heart. Pursue Him. And I'll let you in on a little secret. You ready for this? God loves it when you pursue Him. In fact, God not only loves it, God wants it. Look at this. Hebrews 11, 6. For we come to God in faith, knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who do what? Those who pursue Him. Those who give all their passion, all their strength into seeking Him. In other words, God said, I love that. In fact, I want to reward those who pursue me. That's why Jeremiah 29, 13, I'm sure you've heard it. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. With all your heart. Guys, when you're dating, we totally get this, don't we? Like, before Linda and I got married, guess, guess who was pursuing my honey on the front row? I was! Why did I want to pursue her? You know what I did to pursue her? I bought her chocolate. I bought her candy. I bought her flowers. I took her to nice restaurants. I took her to an NBA game. Front row. Courtside. Come on. We were living in Dallas, Texas at the time. Did all these things. Why? Why did I do 
do all that to pursue her? I did that because I wanted to marry her. That's why I did it. Why'd you want to marry her? Because I wanted to be intimate. That's right. I wanted to have a relationship with her. You know the thing about intimacy, guess what? Think about intimacy, it costs you something. It costs you something. When I wanted to marry Linda, guess what it cost me? Not only did it cost me some finances, right? Love you, babe. But it cost me my life. It cost me my life. You know, you read scripture at, at weddings, Ephesians 5, and you know, I've done several weddings, and there's only one, one thing that it asks good women. It's just like, hey, just submit. I know y'all don't like that word. It's a bad culture word, right? But it means just do life in a way that's honoring to your husband. You know what it tells the husbands to do? Well, you better die. <laughs> you're ready to die. If you want to get married, you're about to die. Because you gotta, you got to lay down your life as Christ laid his life down for the church. That's how you're supposed to love her. Intimacy costs something. It costs God his one and only son so that he can have intimacy with us. And in marriage, it costs you your life. Remember, for better or for worse, the death of his part in sickness and in hell, I give you my life. I give you my life. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what Easter is all about. We not only love God, we pursue God, but we, number three, write this down, we give him our lives. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 24. Guys, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Like if you try to hang on to your life and grasp at it, with everything the world has to offer you, you will lose it. And in fact, many of you, if you're honest, you're like, man, I'm experiencing that right now. I'm trying to hold on and control every situation, and my life is spinning out of control. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Look at this. But if you give up your life, if you love me, if you pursue me, if you'll surrender your life to Jesus Christ, look at this. For my sake, you'll find out that there's blessing on the other side. That's right. What's the blessing? You like to be saved. You experience hope. You experience freedom. So today what I want to do is I close this message. I want to close with an illustration that I hope... Um, honestly illustrates what I'm trying to say. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you the truth. I have a truck, I have cowboy boots, and I have a dog. So I am a man. <laughs> By any standard of the world. So I feel like my man card is pretty good, but I'm about to throw my man card out by confession. It's good for the soul, bad for the reputation. So I'm going to take one for the team right now. I love musicals. Don't forget, I got a truck, I got a dog. Got a <laughs> but God created me as a creative individual, and I don't know why it is, but I love musicals. And one of my favorite stories comes from a Broadway musical that you probably maybe have even seen on TV called Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Fiddler on the Roof. Thank you for the two people that like musicals. <laughs> It was a story about a Jewish family who uh, lived in Russia in the early 1900s, and it's about a father who had five daughters. That's right, five daughters. God bless them. Jesus. <laughs> and the Jewish tradition 
in that day was that when the daughters were old enough to be married, well, the dad had already arranged a husband. It was arranged marriages. The dad would go to the matchmaker, and that matchmaker would find, you know, his daughters a husband. And that's where you get that song. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a fine, catch me a catch. I'll be here all day, everybody. Try to do this good. <laughs>
I know him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I have an intimate relationship with Him. All my life isn't perfect, man. I'm, we're walking day by day together. If that's you, did you mark that card for me? Nobody else is going to see this card. This is going to be personal. Mark that card. But be. Some of you are here today. And you're saying, man, I want to come into this love relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to know Him personally. I want to experience hope in life. I want to begin a real relationship with God today. If that's you, would you be so bold? Nobody looking around. Are you going to see Mark that card and let us know. And here in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. <coughs> see, some of you are here today, you're like, Pastor Matt, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sold on this whole thing yet of Christianity. Man, I appreciate you opening the doors, let me be here. But I just want to consider what God wants to do in my life just a little bit more. I'm not ready. And by the way, thank you so much. Like, if you're bold enough to mark that, man, we're just so glad that you're here. Like, I always dreamed of just creating a church where people would feel safe and comfortable and, like, that skeptics are welcome. I mean, that, that, I love it. It's okay, you. Would you be so bold as to let us know? That's fine. I'm not going to press you. I'm not going to hassle you. I'm not going to call you. We're not gonna, there is no trick or gimmick here. I would just love to know if you're here today. And then there's one that's a lot more serious, and that is a team. See, Pastor Ed, you know what? I don't ever intend to make that decision. I don't ever intend to do it. And obviously, this is just a little bit more serious. But I want you to know, if you have the guts and the boldness to mark that card, indeed, this is what I'm going to do for you in our church. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you because I believe there's going to come a moment where your eyes are going to be open, your heart's going to be open to maybe see clearly for the first time who God is and what He's done for you and how much He loves you and how He's not asking anything from you, but He just simply wants to add value to your life. So this is what I'm doing. I want everybody to mark this card, and then we're going to pray. But I'm not going to pray until I see. Once you mark the card, bow your head and close your eyes. Because then that way I'll know that everybody has completed the card. So just take a, another moment to do that. And once your heads are bowed, once your eyes are closed, and nobody's looking around, then I will pray. This is a very personal moment between you and the Lord. God, I thank you so much for your power and your presence here. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the greatest gift that you've ever given us it's your son, Jesus. We celebrate that today and we remember that you not only died, but you were risen again. Not just so that we could celebrate it, but God, that we could experience it. And God, you're not looking for religion. You're not looking for obligation. You're not looking for tradition of any kind. You're looking for just a life that is in love with you. And so God, right now, for those who have marked B on their card, I want to lead them in a prayer. If that's you, I just encourage you, if you're bold enough, just pray this out loud, everybody, if you want to. Just say, Jesus... I need you. Today, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. Forgive me. Change me. Transform me. Today, I put my faith in you. I pray to say, Holy Spirit, I receive you. And I ask you to empower me today to make a difference. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Hey, can we put our hands together and celebrate with those who made it a super.